Well, I'm so glad that you're here. We're in the middle of the vacation season. Some of you are just back from uh, the beach. Some of you are back from Italy. Some of you are back from different places in the world. Some of you are away. We'd like to say hi to you. Uh, we got uh, several families that are camping down at Myrtle Beach this weekend and, uh, and next weekend, I think, as well. But uh, God is so good to give us some time off, and I know that you need that. But if you're here, if you're in town this summer, don't go to the lake during this slot. Come out and be with us so that we can worship together and learn. We're in a series about prophecy. We said that prophecy is history foretold, where God tells us ahead of time what's coming. And history is prophecy fulfilled. So we're in this series. If you've missed the first two lessons, you've been on vacation, you need to go back and get those messages. Because the first week we talked about the rapture, how that for the church, for believers in Jesus Christ, we believe in the imminent return of Jesus, that any moment he can come and snatch us out and we'll go be with him for seven years. And so the first week was, here comes the bridegroom. The church is called the bride of Jesus Christ and the bridegroom is Jesus. And he's going to come and snatch us out and take us to be with him in heaven. Then all hell breaks loose on the earth. That was last week. Last, the first week was, here comes the bridegroom. Last week was, here comes the beast. And we talked about 666 and the number of the beast and the, the false prophet and the devil and how all hell's going to break loose on the earth. And the human race is almost going to wipe itself out. But something happens to cause that not to happen. And that's what we're talking about today. And I'm so excited. Hey, listen, if you missed Wednesday night last week, we had such a good time over here in our Chick-fil-A hall. We have furniture donated by Chick-fil-A and we had a meal together. And, uh, but we only had about 30 people there. It was great. It was quality, but we missed a lot of you. Now, if you can come this week, we need to know kind of how many people to expect to prepare food for. If you think you can come Wednesday night, six o'clock, raise your hand. Hold your hands up right now. Hold up your pink patty right now, right now. Hi, 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 hi. All right. Come on. Uh, so we hope that you can change your schedule, uh, make a plan to be here because we're just talking about how we can be impactful in our community. And we want to impact this world for Jesus Christ. So it's great. It's a great time of fellowship. We had good food. The food's being provided for you. You don't even have to bring anything. So uh, if you want to come and you didn't raise your hand, just let us know afterwards. If, if you don't, we'll still be all right. We'll still like you to come. We'd just like to have a heads up of who's coming. So I hope that you'll be with us. Well, listen, uh, there's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is if you don't know Jesus, the worst is yet to come for you. But... The good news is you can trust him right this very moment, right where you sit, and crying out in faith in your heart to God in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for you. The good news is for the Christian, the best is yet to come. For the non-believer, this is the only heaven you'll have, ever have. This is the best it's going to be. For the believer in Christ, this is the worst. This is the worst. And the best is yet to come. So this is what this series is about. And you need to make sure that you're on the right team. You want to make sure that you're on the right side uh, when time is no more. Now, we got a memory verse. And we want you to commit it to memory. I've been working on it. And, but when you stand before a couple hundred people, sometimes it's hard. But it says this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being of sober mind, set your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Would you say that with me? Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being of sober mind, 
Set your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what we say the best is yet to come. Or here's another way to say it. The good old days are still ahead. If you know Jesus, man, it's going to get better. And by the end of the service, by the way, this is a participator sport. This is not a... This is not a spectator sport. Church is to be participated in. You're to be a part of everything that we do and hang out with us and eat with us and get in life groups together and and shout out in the service when God blesses your heart. By the end of the service, I'm hoping that you're going to rise to your feet and you're going to be applauding what is to come because there's great, great news for the world uh, through Jesus Christ. So uh, today, so rapture the first week, here comes the bridegroom. The second week, tribulation, here comes the beast. This week is here comes the king. Here comes the king. And it's the best news. If you've read the end of the book, you know the good guys win. And there's only one guy, and that's Jesus Christ. And he and his family are going to be together forever. So I want to give you some computer jargon this morning. I'm not that computer friendly. I use uh, the computer every day. Many of you know much more about it. But listen, here's the first thing I want you to write down this morning. I will stay awake and not be hacked. (laughs) I will stay awake and not be hacked. Now, okay, be honest. How many of you have ever been hacked in some way on your computer or your account? Somebody hacked into your account? The first time I was hacked was in South Africa in Johannesburg. And I looked on my American Express statement and I saw this charge for Harley Davidson. Now, for some of you, that wouldn't make sense, but I've never had a motorcycle. If anybody has a Harley you want to give away, I'll take it. But I've never had a motorcycle, never had a Harley. So I thought well, it, was, it was about $2,000. So it's not chump change, but it's not Harley Davidson money either, is it? So I figured somebody bought a helmet and some leathers maybe. And on my dollar, well, I filed it with American Express. I got my money back. Just recently, some of you have seen on my Facebook account, if you're not Facebook friends with me, you can go to my Facebook and befriend me. I need friends. We'd love to hang out with you. But listen, uh, the other week, somebody wrote me a message and said, I think your messenger account has been hacked. And they said that somebody is, they have your picture and they're using your data and like it's you and they're trying to get money out of people. It wasn't me, okay? It wasn't me. I wasn't doing it. Somebody was misrepresenting me, hacked into my account, used my picture, used my details. And we know that people can hack in and try to steal people's identity. Now, I just sent out messages saying, look, I don't know what else to do other than let you know that it wasn't me. But there is somebody that's hacking into the human accounts every day. And he's the wicked one, he's the evil one, and he wants to find you asleep and not beware that you're being hacked by him. I want us to go to our main passage that we've been in for this series, Matthew chapter 24. It's called the Olivet Discourse because it was given on a mount called the Mount of Olives. Jesus was there with his disciples, and they asked him some questions about the end times and what's going to be the sign of the last days and What do we look for? How do we know when things are coming? And so we pick up our reading today in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Like a lightning flash. Going to happen quick. In a twinkling of an eye, another passage says, okay? 
Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will be gathered. Now, remember, this passage is just after the passage that we studied last week about this tribulation on the earth where the human race is trying to annihilate the, the nation of Israel and killing out each other and all hell breaks loose on the earth and then these, these judgments come down from God out of heaven as well. It's a horrible thing. And so he's talking about now all, the world is covered by a mass of bodies, but it's this threat of world annihilation by the human race is interrupted by King Jesus. All right? So it says, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will be gathered immediately after the tribulation. We said last year, that seven-year period of time when all religion is squelched, when um, all Christians or, or people who profess belief in Christ during this time uh, or and they deny the beast and they don't worship this false system, they will be persecuted. They will not be allowed to buy, sell, or trade. Many will be martyred for their faith. Uh, people who've come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period and they reject the mark of the beast. After this tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. This has not happened in the history of the world. Now, we've had eclipses. This is talking about some cataclysmic event. The Bible says that Jesus Christ in Colossians holds the whole creation together. And when he takes his hand off of it, things start to go crazy. And it says the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. That makes sense, right? If the sun's dark, we're going to have no reflection on the moon. And the stars will fall from heaven. Scary stuff. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. I don't know exactly what that means, but there's going to be a disturbance in the force, you might say. There's going to be all kinds of cataclysmic events taking place. And people are going to be so scared that they die from heart attacks because of fear, the Bible says, in a different place. So the, the sun's darkened, the moon doesn't show its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then, so everything's just about to crash. The hard drive of the universe is about to go down. Then. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. That's Jesus Christ. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. All the people all around the world will see this event at one time. Some will mourn because of joy, because they've trusted Christ and they're about to be executed and they're just going to be mourning in joy. But many millions of people will be mourning because they're not ready. And they're going to see the Son of Man coming and they're going to be caught off guard. They're going to be it's as, as if they've been hacked. All the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. They're going to see him. You know, when Jesus died and was buried and rose again, fulfilling what he said he would do, and then he ascended into heaven after 40 days of appearances, over 500 eyewitnesses saw him. He ascended visibly before many people's eyes. The Bible says he's going to come back, but this time not just a few is going to see him. The whole world will see him. The whole world will mourn. They will be afraid. He's going to come. And the whole world will see him coming in power and great glory. He's not going to come as a little babe in Bethlehem's manger. When he came before, he came to die for our sins. But when he comes back, oh boy, it's going to be a different tune. It's going to be good news for those who know Christ. All right, so he's going to be coming in heavens with power and great glory. In verse 31, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. Now, we know already 
the church, believers, Jews and Gentiles in this generation have been called out to the rapture. Now these are people who've been saved during this tribulation period, who've called out in faith to Christ. And so uh, the, the trumpet call now is going to gather these people, those who've died and those who are still alive, and they will gather his, he will gather his elect from the four winds. That's from one corner of the globe to the other. From one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, for the, from the fig tree learn this lesson. So he's going to give us a, an illustration from nature. You see, a fig tree learned this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So when you see buds and blooms, you, it's springtime, which tells us that summer's coming, right? So he says that, that's an illustration from nature, verse 33. So also when you see these things, you know that, the, that he, Jesus, is near. So also when you see these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation, what generation? The generation that sees all the signs that we've seen in this passage already. The cataclysmic events in the universe, uh, the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, earthquakes, uh, all kinds of killing, hate on the earth. All those things, when you see these things, you know that he is near even at the gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. That's going to be on down the road a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about what's going to happen to this world and then what's coming forth. But my words will not pass away, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. People have set dates in past and missed it repeatedly. They try to sell a book. They try to make money off it. But Jesus said, nobody knows exactly, but here's some signs of some things that will be happening, and you know that the time is near. He said, not the angels of heaven know, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah. Remember, God promised judgment was going to come to the earth in, in Noah's day. Well, what was happening on the earth in Noah's day with all the people? Is this, as it was in the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware. In other words, they got hacked. They weren't ready. They didn't see the enemy. They were hacked until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So he says, people basically carried on with life as usual, not looking for Jesus. Not looking for the judgment in Noah's day. Noah preached for 120 years and God made the boat big enough to accommodate lots of people. But only eight people went on the boat because everybody disbelieved. But he says, the people carried on eating and drinking and marrying. He's not saying that marrying and having, you know, eating meals and having fun is a bad thing. He's just saying they were totally unaware that they were being hacked. They were totally unaware that judgment was coming. And it's going to be like that in the last days when Jesus comes again. Look at verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. Be alert. Stay awake. Stay awake for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what Part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have had his house broken into. He would not have been hacked if he was aware, if he was looking for this to happen. In verse 44, therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at the hour you do not expect. 
Most of the world is not looking for Jesus. But Christians, if we know the Bible, we should be. Every day we should be expecting Jesus. That means it changes the way that we live. It means it changes the way that we spend our money. It means it changes the way that we prioritize our time. It means it changes the way that we relate to people around us because we know that people around us, just like in Noah's day, are perishing and the judgment is coming, but they're just going about their daily life, which everybody has to do, but you don't have to go about your daily life unaware of what's coming. And so I'm going to be awake, I'm going to be alert, and I'm not going to be hacked. We need to put some firewalls in place in our life. We need to be in the scriptures daily, reminding ourselves that there's more to eternity and to life than just what we see before us. That there's a judgment day coming. We need to be in the scripture. We need to be in prayer. We need to be changing our priorities. We need to be prioritizing our church family. We need to be prioritizing getting the message out to people all around our county. The 69,000 people in our county and the uh, 300 million plus people in America that need Christ and 7 point something billion people in the world, most of whom do not know Jesus. I will stay awake and not be hacked. Some of you are living just like the people in Noah's day, oblivious to the fact that there is an eternity awaiting. And that there's a judgment day coming. By the way, we're going to talk about judgment day next week. Judgment day for the lost people who do not know Jesus. And judgment day for the Christian people. And how those will be different. You don't want to miss that. Everything that you do in life echoes in eternity. And we're going to talk about that next week. So I will stay awake and not be hacked. And secondly, I will unfollow the doomed deceiver. Now here, the, the story gets really, really cool here. I will unfollow the doomed deceiver. In other words, I'm going to defriend. I'm going to block him. I'm going to block him out of my life. I'm going to be aware of his strategies. The Bible says he's, he's a, like a roaring lion, the devil, our enemy, going about trying to hack into our life and destroy you. And his only purposes are to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Your teenagers, your family, your marriage, your finances, your moral life, your addictions in your life that come in and suck the life out of you. That's what the wicked one wants to do. And I'm going to unfollow him. I'm going to defriend him. I'm going to block him because I know he's trying to hack into my life. Now, I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture that really rocks my world and gets me excited. Revelation chapter 20, which is really near the end of the book. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Follow with me in your Bibles. If you have them, if you don't, they'll be on the screen. Revelation 20, verse 1 says, Then, now this is after the, the tribulation period on the earth. This is... King Jesus now coming to intervene, to take the reins back to the world. Revelation 20, then I saw an angel, an angel. Take a note of that. Not many angels, one angel. There are many angels, but this, is, this act only takes one angel. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. I don't know if the key was on the chain. You know how some people in our county have the keys on the chain on the side here. But he has a key and a chain. I don't know if they're linked or not. But he's got a key and a chain, kind of like a gatekeeper, kind of like a jail cell. You know, like where Otis will go in the, and Andy and he'll get the key off the hook. and he'll un Here we got the, the, the angel, one angel coming down. And he's got a key, maybe on a chain, but he has a chain. And he seized the dragon. This is kick butt time 
for the devil. One angel, when Jesus says his time is up, comes down and he seizes him. The idea is he snatches him up like Jesus snatches the church up in, in love. But here this angel snatches in judgment the devil, the ancient serpent, who de the devil appeared as a servant in the serpent in the Garden of Eden, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. He gives him a thousand year jail sentence and after that it even gets worse. He locks him up for a thousand years and threw him into a pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those whom, to whom authority was given, the, the authorities of the world during this tribulation time. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded for their testimony. These are martyrs during the tribulation period who cried out to Jesus in faith, but they've been martyred for their faith. And he saw those souls of the ones who were beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who'd not worshipped the beast. We talked about that last week. What it means to take the image of the beast. Not worship the beast nor its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead, those who didn't believe in Jesus, they did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ. And they will reign with him for a thousand years. That's you and me. That's people of all times who've come to God by faith in his program and in his person, Jesus Christ. Amen. And they reign with Christ for a thousand years. Satan will be released from his prison, will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, these different nations around the world, and gather them for battle. Their numbers like the sand of the sea. So even during this thousand-year reign of Jesus on the earth, People are born into homes of people who enter the tribulation as Christians. And people are born, people reproduce, and they have babies. And some of them don't trust Christ. Even with Jesus standing right there, they still their hearts. And that's why Satan's released again to show who's really on God's side and who trusted Christ and who's against him. One last and final time. He will come out to deceive the nations there in the four corners of the earth. Gog, Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth. We know about the battle of Armageddon. That's in Revelation as well. But fire came down from heaven. So they're gathering against Jesus Christ and his armies like they're going to they're, they're going to take over Jesus. But what happens? Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. I will unfollow the doomed deceiver. Here's the deal. Why did God make the devil? I think I understand it from Scripture. Scripture teaches that God made the angels of heaven to worship God, but he made them like he made you and me with choice. Some chose to defect from Jesus and to try to overtake Jesus. And then they were cast out of heaven and they've been infiltrating our planet, trying to hack into people's lives. He made you and me with a choice. He made human beings with a choice. They can choose to receive Christ and to believe in him and accept him as their savior or they reject him. 
The angels of heaven are created beings. Now, the highest of them, the most beautiful creature, Satan, Lucifer, the wicked one, he was lifted up with pride. He defected. He tried to mutiny in heaven. God kicked him out. Meanwhile, he came to this earth, and he's been infecting us with the same lies, that we don't need God, that judgment's not coming, that we can be our own God, and that we can create our own morals, that we can create our own standards, and that we can be God. Didn't work for him. Doesn't work for human beings. Here's the deal. When God says it's time, he brings one big bad angel with a key and a chain, and he binds him up just like that. It's not going to be a long battle. Not going to be a battle at all. The devil is a puppet on a chain. And when God's done with him, he's going to be wiped out. I'm glad about that. Are you going to be glad when the devil's gone? Man, I'm going to be so glad. Get out of my family. Get out of my children. Get out of my wife. Get out of me. All the destruction that he tries to introduce into our lives, into our families. Honey, I know there's no devil in you, baby. But it's going to be good when he's gone. (laughs) So God has a plan that at the end of time, he reveals those who trust Jesus and follow him and line up with him. He reveals all, which is most of creation, who deny and reject him, including the devil. And at the end, at the end, at the end of time, which we'll come to in a couple of weeks, he's completely thrown away. But at the end of that thousand years where Jesus is reigning on the earth, he lets him out and shows the hearts of those people that are still on the earth one last time. And then he, he locks them up. Listen, the devil's a created being. He is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful like God. He's not God. There's only one God and one creator of the universe. And his name is Jesus Christ. And the devil is on a short leash. And he's going to soon be locked up. And I can't wait. No more human trafficking. No more broken homes and marriages. No more addictions and chains. This week I had the opportunity to take somebody that I love very much to a rehab. And they're trying to get free from some chains in their life. And you're trying to get free from your chains. And your children are trying to get free from chains. One day, the only chains are going to be the ones that are holding back the wicked one. Amen? Amen? That's good news. That's good news. So I will... Unfollow the doomed deceiver. Listen, wake up. Be alert that you're being hacked and that his three purposes are to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy your life and your joy and your happiness. And you need to unfollow and defriend him. Let's look finally at who we are going to follow, who we are going to friend, who we are going to be close to, who we're going to lean into, who we're going to trust with every part of our life. I will follow King Jesus. Would you write that down? You say, well, I'm going to follow him one day. Well, if you're not following him now, you're not going to follow him one day. Because who you follow here on the earth is who you're going to follow for eternity. I will follow King Jesus. Some of you are following, like the disciples, remember the crucifixion? It said they all followed him from a distance. They kind of held back. They didn't want to be embarrassed. They didn't want to identify with Jesus. And so when the, the heat was turned up, They held back, and then nobody, they all forsook him and fled at the cross. Nobody stayed there with him, none of his disciples. But hey, after the resurrection, they could not keep these guys away from Jesus. 
No matter what they threatened to do, they beat the tar out of them and said, don't you ever preach in this name again. And standing right before them, the apostles would say, well, I don't know who you, what you think, but I think I'm going to rather obey God than you. And you can do what you want to to us. You can kill us. You can snap our necks. You can cut our heads off. You can boil us in oil. You can do all the things that happen to the apostles. But we know that Jesus is alive and we're going to be with him forever. Amen. Couldn't destroy their faith. I will follow King Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. How many of you have horses? Raise your hand. I don't. I love horses. I love animals. I've got, a, I've got my daughter's pit bull at my house right now. And my wife was a little scared, but this, this dog is sweet. It's sweet. I love animals. I love horses. I love to touch him. I, uh, if, I, if I could have a horse for a therapy animal, that would be awesome. For now, i got a pit bull, and it's working okay. I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. Are there going to be animals in heaven? Of course there are. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. You don't want to miss that, what heaven's going to be like. Oh, it's far different from what you imagine. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. One sitting who's called faithful and true. This, this is Jesus He's faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, consuming, evaluating, seeing right through you. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, many jewels. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. So John, the revelator, was seeing this vision from God. And he, he saw something, but it was like it was, it was blurred out. And God was not letting him see this secret name of of Jesus, even though it was right there before him, but he couldn't quite focus on it. And no one knew what that name was. In verse 13, he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. <laughs> the blood of Jesus Christ takes away the sin of the world. He had a robe dipped in blood by the name which is called the Word of God. The Word is a communication of God, and Jesus is God in flesh. He's fully God, and he communicates to us all there is to know about the God of the universe because he is God. In verse 14, and the armies of heaven, that's you and me. Dude, if you've never ridden a horse before, maybe you should start trying because we need some practice. We're going to be riding horses. We're going to be in the cavalry. It's going to be so fun. And so the horses, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. Not from ours, just Jesus. One angel bound the devil. One Jesus conquers all sin and the devil and hell. We don't have to fight. All the fight's been won by Jesus Christ already. Amen? Amen. And he's coming. And he's, we're on white horses, but out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which we strike down to strike down the nations. All the people that are in defiance against God. All the nations, all the governments that are in defiance against God. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He's not coming as a little baby this time. He's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. All evil will be squelched and, and ruled out. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. Check this out. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Woo Man, if this don't get you excited. Now, I know some of you, it gets you scared. 
I share with you the first week, you need to listen to that message, how when I first thought, one day I thought Jesus was coming. I saw this light and I thought it was Jesus. And it kind of rattled my cage a little bit. But the more I've gotten to know Jesus and the more I've gotten to know his word, it gets me excited. But some of you right now are really not digging this message too much because talking about judgment and fire and all this stuff. And it kind of is shaking your world. But Jesus Christ, you need to know this. On his robe and on his thigh, a name written. I don't know if it's a tattoo. I don't know if Jesus has a tat. But on his thigh, there's a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. When he came the first time, he came as a little innocent, helpless baby in the manger. And he grew up and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he gave his life on the cross willingly at the end of that time because that's the reason he came. He died for your sins and mine. And friend, you can come to know him right where you sit today. In your home or in the car or watching this online or right here in this room. You can come to know him. But listen, you need to understand this. And next week we're going to talk about the judgment. There's no other way. There's no other one. There's no other king of kings and lord of lords who rules the universe. It's Jesus Christ. The eternal identity of Jesus Christ. There will be no more hacks. There will be no more world leaders that refuse him. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. We usually read this verse at Christmas time. It says this. For unto us a child is born. That's how we all picture Jesus. Unto us a child is born. In the manger of Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now he shifts, he shifts thoughts a little bit. A little child. But a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, he's going to rule the world. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Are you looking forward to a time of peace with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? I sure hope you are. I can't wait for it. Now, our series graphic. Can we put our series graphic up on the board, Lance? Can we put our series graphic up on the board? I told you the first week, I said, I'm not going to explain it to you. Some of you have been in church for a long time. So if, if you kind of think you know what this means, would you raise your hand? All right. It's from the scriptures, folks, for this time that we're preaching about in the scriptures this week. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 11, way back in the Old, Old Testament. Right in the center of your Bible, you've got Psalms. So open to the center, you've got Psalms. Then turn right, swipe right in your Bible. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. There you are. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. The wolf, now he's, this is a passage, you can go home and read it this week. This is a passage about what we're talking about. When Jesus rules the earth for a thousand years as king of kings and lord of lords. And here, this describes nature and humanity in complete peace. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. Our series graphic is the lion and the lamb. The lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. He's also the lamb of God. But during this time, and then in eternity after this, in the new creation and the new earth, which we studied the last week of our series, and a few weeks down the road, Forever and forever, there's going to be peace. 
There's going to be peace in nature. There's going to be peace with people. There's going to be peace in nations. And yes, there will be nations in the eternal state and in the kingdom of God. There's going to be societies. There's going to be inventions. There's going to be art. But it's all going to be free of all the devil's crap. Some of you are more upset that I said crap than you are excited about what's going to come. (laughs) Hey, listen. The best days are still ahead for a Christian. Would you write this down as a next step? I will live for God's kingdom now. Now Let's park there for just a minute. I will live for God's kingdom now. If you're not following Jesus now, you're not going to follow him in eternity. Unless you turn and start following him. If you're not living for God's kingdom now, well, God's going to change things in eternity. But what you do now echoes in eternity. And what you send on ahead by way of the life that you live is going to be measured back and rewarded to you in the eternal state. We'll talk about that as we talk about judgment and uh, the, the rewards for the Christian. Some of you are following from a distance. You're kind of half in and half out, like that possum that's dead in the middle of the road, undecided. Some of you have never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And today will be a wonderful time for you to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Because you're going to bow to Him now on this earth as Lord and Savior... Or in eternity, you'll bow to him as judge. As judge, I will live for God's kingdom now. Now, we know from the first week that Jesus could come in any moment and rapture us out. We know then there's seven years of hell on earth. Then King Jesus comes back. And Steve Harvey paints a picture of what it would be like... If he could introduce Jesus Christ at the second coming. Now, I want you, this is the part I want you to participate. If you feel like clapping, clapping, you feel like cheering, cheer, and by the end of this thing, we need to all be on our feet for Jesus Christ. Now, I edited this a little bit because Steve, it was a great writing, but he, he left out a few critical elements which I put back in. So, if I were going to introduce Jesus Christ at his second coming, here maybe how me and Steve Harvey would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He's done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His virgin mother still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the best-selling list for all time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. Five, he fed 5,000 hungry souls with five, with five loaves of bread and two fish. He can walk on water. He can turn water into wine. No special effects and no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed as the king of kings, the ruler of the universe, the alpha, the omega, the bright and the morning star. He conquered sin, death, and the grave and rose on the third day 
and it's coming back and it's coming back anytime now some say he's the rose of Sharon some say he's the prince of peace but get up on your feet get up on your feet put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Lord, we look forward to your coming. Lord, the greatest is still ahead of us. But Lord, for those who don't know Jesus, Lord, the worst is ahead. And so if you're here, if you're hearing this message anywhere in the world right now, in this room or anywhere else, would you cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I recognize you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord Jesus, I turn my life over to you. I surrender to you. I believe that you died for my sins, that you were buried, and that you rose again, and that, Lord, you're coming back just like your word says. God, right now, I ask you to come into my life and give me peace as the Prince of Peace. Lord, I bow to you as the King of Kings, and I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. Like Marin today, who trusted Jesus and followed him in the waters of baptism, obediently identifying publicly with Jesus Christ. I pray that people would come to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, we're going to sing in just a minute. I want you to go through these double doors. Down the hallway, there'll be some of our care team to meet you and pray with you and share with you the gospel. If you're not sure what it means to know Jesus Christ, you can do that today. And now, Christian, what about you? Are you living for the kingdom of God? Are you living for the God of the kingdom right now, today? Are you investing in eternity that is as sure to come as it had already been here for 10,000 years? Lord Jesus, help us to do today what we'll be glad that we've done when we stand before you in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're afraid of the coming of Christ, Make your way to these doors as we sing. There'll be people to greet you that can talk with you. Maybe you have an addiction or something that you need help with. Somebody can pray with you, and we can find out where we can get help. But please do today what God's asking you to do as we sing right now.